I supposed to be the franchise player and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, a, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? I mean, we're talking about practice. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness the Warrior Way, a Westcliff University athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. And once again, thank you very much for everyone listening to our podcast. We are very appreciative having you here. And as we always do, we have another outstanding guest on today. Uh, we've been very fortunate. All of our guests have been wonderful, and today is no different. We have our newest coach, who is our track and field coach, Justin Johnson. Justin, thank you for joining us today. Uh, no problem. Um, I'm up early. And so uh, when I get the call to do a podcast, why not? Um, you know, I love, I love what I do. So not, nothing for the sport. Not, nothing well, too much. well, we are very happy that you're joining us. Now, you have a big task ahead of you. And um, before we talk about what is in front of you, I want to talk a little bit about what is behind you. And currently, you are in Texas. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, out here in Houston, Texas, born and raised. Um, yes, sir. Out here in Texas. Okay. So when are you planning to come to California? I'm still um, currently here um, in Houston and um, I'll be wrapping things up at about um, mid-June. So I'm going to give myself two weeks to close out of everything, my lease and all of that. And then I will be making my way about early to mid-July. So yeah, I'll come out there early July. Excellent. Okay. Now, why don't you tell me and our listeners a little bit of your background and your history in track and field and how it is that you're making your way to Westcliff University? Yes, sir. Um, well, like like most, well, not, well, some kids, most kids, you know, their parents, uh, one of them is get out the house and I was too hyper doing a lot of things in the <laughs> household. So my mom just, she signed me up for AAU track when I was a lot younger, really, really young. Um, and I just fell in love with the sport. She was also a runner. So like, I kind of get it from my mother. Um, and of course I did all the sports, like, you know, the footballs, the basketballs, the baseballs. I even picked up swimming. Lo I love to swim as well. So that's a perfect favorite California, but um, you know, I just found a passion for running and, and so as I got older through middle school and high school, I just found myself leaning more towards um, track and field, especially by making varsity, you know, and um, and then I just became a hurdle specialist, fell in love with the hurdles and um, was running that for years on varsity. And then I just got seen um, and ended up running at uh, Prairie View a University. Um, I love my university, love my school. Um, and just, you know, did all the relays and all the things. And um, upon me graduating from um, college, I started teaching education um, and um, I wanted to continue my passion for track and field, not so much as an athlete, but more so of giving back to the sport um, as a whole. So I wanted to become a coach and um, I did that for some years. So I, I've been coaching since 2012. Um, it's almost been 10 years now. <laughs> it's been nine. Uh, but I've been coaching almost for 10 years and uh, been coaching um, high school, high school varsity for a while. Um, and I coach a few sports, cross country, track and field, soccer. Um, but of course, my first love will always be track and field. And um, and currently I am a dean of students. It's like an AP here from our charter system. And I just needed something else. I just need more. So that's what that's what's leading me 
um, or what has led me now to Westcliff University. And so I just put my my hat in the ring um, and I was like, you know what? I want to take my talents for, to the collegiate level um, because I've been super successful on in the high school varsity realm, right? I have won, I have won uh, a million district cha- championships. I won regional championships, took a, a few kids to state. So, you know, I just want to now take what I've learned and what I've experienced as a collegiate athlete. And then I want to now transition that into the actual collegiate um, realm and coach kids collegiately. So like you said, there's a big task coming up. And I know we're about to talk about that, but um, I just now, you know, want to transition into the collegiate realm and really get out there and get these kids here and really show my passion for the sport and really show them um, a different world outside of high school sports. Wow. I enjoy your passion and uh, it's going to serve you well in this position. Uh, we're all about that here at Westcliff. Uh, a couple of questions I have for you. You said you're in Houston, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Have you heard of the Houston Track Club? I know you have. Yes, sir. I definitely heard of the Houston Track Club. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, maybe the most famous um, team in the United States. Uh, I, I mean, some of the greatest athletes uh, in track and field ran for Houston Track Club. Absolutely. Yeah, very um, cool. Yeah, I'm actually on a, a, a club team now called CL Stars, where, of course, Carl Lewis, the, who yes. was at one point, was the uh, was the world record holder, Olympic gold medalist. You know, he's the current um, he's the current head coach at University of Houston. And so I'm actually coaching for his team um, now with, with my AAU track club. So just a lot of uh, great experience I've been learning here, man. I've, I've learned so much and I'm just ready to take that with me um, to California. Oh, excellent. Have you been to California before? I have. Um, I have. It was it was um, just a weekend trip. Um, I, I may have been twice for sure once just with some friends and just kind of experiencing some things, but never, never in the sense of like, you know, business and really like getting the lay of the land. So like I am completely wet behind the ear. I am green. And I'm just <laughs> ready to, to I'm ready to, you know, pick people's brains and really just see like what's the good food places where some good running routes where okay. the hangout spots. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, you know, we obviously have a lot to offer here in this state. And uh, Irvine is a wonderful city, uh, one of the safest in the nation. We're right next to all the beaches. The mountains are an hour away. Disneyland's down the street. There's there's plenty to do. So I think you're probably going to uh, settle in very quickly. Um, you know, you mentioned about the hurdles. Is that your was that your specialty? Is that Absolutely. your event? Yes, sir. Absolutely. 110s, 300, 400 hurdles. Yes, sir. What's your best time? Um, best time in the, in the one tens, I was, I'm a shorter guy for that, for that race. If anybody knows, like if you're hurdler, you're, you're a bigger dude. You're like, you know, six, three, six, four, six, six, two, at least I'm six foot. So high school, I was, I was a beast, uh, college, not so much, but anyway, my best time for the one tens was a 14, eight for the 300 hurdles. My best time was a 39, four. And for the 400 hurdles, it was a 51, five. Hmm. Yeah. My goodness. Now, you know, I know a little bit about that, just about a, a fingernails worth for our listeners that don't uh, have as much knowledge in track and field and hurdles. Folks, that's that's lightning quick. <laughs> that's 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 really moving it, picking them up and putting them down as one of my old coaches used to say. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. that's that. Yeah. So those are some pretty good numbers there. Let me tell you, you're not finishing. Uh, middle of the pack, you're you're out in front. So that's uh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's fabulous. Did you run any of the other? Did you do any of the field events, or was it mostly all track? Um, mostly all track. I did do a uh, well. You know, when you're in middle school, you kind of jack of all trades. You do a little bit of everything. Um, right. of course, as you get older, you start to specialize in certain events, and that's when I really 
uh, took to hurdles, hurdles, but I did do um, long and triple in high school, middle school. Of course, you do all that. I even shot put in middle school, but um, yeah. but in high school, yes, I did do long and I did do um, I did do uh, triple. But as I became like junior senior year, I just solely focused on running. I didn't do right. um, the field events anymore. But of course, I did the four by one, four by two, yeah. four by fours, yeah. Oh, it might have been a better question. Ask what didn't you do? That would have been. <laughs> That would have been a shorter answer. Absolutely. But, but um, you know, yeah. when you're when you're young and you're coming up, you do all that. You do every yeah. event that you can in your sport. Yep. You know, and, and if you play multiple sports, you just roll. Did you play other sports as well, or did you just focus on track as you were a uh, through middle school and high school. Exactly. Middle school, I did, I, I can guarantee I did pretty much all the sports. I even did powerlifting, baseball. Wow. You know, I take that back. The only sport I did not do was soccer. It's crazy because I did coach soccer this year, but I did not do soccer. <laughs> Okay. Um, I didn't play soccer, but I, everything else you can think of, I've done it. Baseball, you know, basketball, powerlifting, you know, all the things. Swimming. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Now I'm going to ask you a, a trivia question about long jump. Yes, sir. You ready? Yes, sir, I'm ready. Okay. Who is the world record holder currently? Oh, for the long jump. G. Um, really? Okay. For uh, the uh, the girls, I think her name was Brittany Reese or something. Like, but guys. Yeah. Ooh, don't give me um uh this is this is actually a very difficult question and you know people don't realize they think first of all of carl lewis and okay. carl lewis yeah oh yeah. my gosh he yeah, had he the amazing. greatest he had the single greatest series of jumps and you get what six jumps correct yep, yep. yes sir yeah. that's up to you you can pass on a number of jumps as well right, right. in a competition but the, right. you get a total of six and he had the greatest series of jumps ever he actually went over 29 feet on uh, i believe four occasions yeah uh and before that of course it was bob beeman at the 68 olympics right um, right right but at the 91 world championships and carl lewis was competing in those on i believe his second jump a fella named mike powell went right. 29 four and a half and that is still the world record it's hard yeah and, and scientists have proven that they don't think anyone can jump 30 feet and so <sighs> 29, four and a half, I believe, is the current record, Mike Powell. So yeah, that's, that is ridiculous. That's, that's, 30, that's... 30 years. I, I don't know if anybody can break that. that yeah. That's that's going a long way in the air. When they say jumping out of your skin, that's that that's the picture <laughs> that you can think of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, you're you're such a versatile athlete, and I think that's going to carry you through. I think that's going to serve you well. Um, because you know, all of the events, it's not yeah. as though all, you know, is one thing, you know, a ton of them. Do you do, or would you, uh, in your estimation, be able to coach cross country as well? Are you going to, are you going to do that also and, and help out in that area? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, um, me and Daniel, my, my counterpart, um, he is the head uh, cross country coach and I'm definitely helping out with that as he will help out with uh, the long distance uh, races for track and field, um, which me and him had a conversation, which is perfect. Um, I know you asked me, like, it's better to probably ask, what didn't you do? And yeah. so me and yeah. him had a conversation um, and I told him, like, I've never ran anything past the 400. So I did fours and downs, right? With hurdles and sprints and relays, all the things. Um, and then he said, well, that's perfect because I've never ran anything um, below an eight. So he did the eight, the 15, the the, the 3,000, you know, the sure. 32, the the five, 5K, 10K. So it is a perfect match made in heaven. And um, mm. we're both definitely going to, you know, tee off each other and pick each other's brains and use what each other's skill sets are and uh, really make this program uh, one for the books, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your, when you get out here and you get settled, you find your place to live and you're, and you're ready to rock. What is your first order of business? 
Oh, man, my first order of business is, like I say, really understanding the lay of the land and really get to know the staff and the faculty and the campus and the people around. Like, I really want to just like dive in and really like engulf all that the atmosphere has to bring and what Irving has to bring um, for me. And also bring in my experiences and people understand where I come from in Texas and like all the things. Right. It just answer the questions um, that anybody might have. But I really want to get a feel of the land and really call it home. Um, I really want to plant roots there and really recruit and get kids to understand like I'm here for them and um, I really want to build this thing. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, your enthusiasm is infectious. You know, I can tell how fired up you are to get out here and I, you, you have to temper it because you're going to be out here. Probably you said in the middle of June, is that right? Right. right. Okay. All right. Because uh, when, when does the season start? For cross country is coming up pretty quick. Um, and, you know, Daniel's taking charge of that. I'm, I'm definitely there to assist and help. Um, but his will, come, his will come up first in about the next three and a half to four months. Um, track and field, we will probably start conditioning, getting in shape um, at the end of the first semester. And then we're going to for sure um, get started for sure, for sure, um, early January. And that's when it will for sure take off. So um, we have some months and I got I got a little time. But cross country definitely will start in the next like, three and a half, four months. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And as we said, you're going to be helping out with that. How many athletes do you need to recruit? Well, for track and field, um, you know, to really be um, a successful program, we definitely need uh, a good chunk. We definitely need a good chunk. So you're talking about the, the upper 20s and mid 30s to have a good, a good solid team. Because um, you, you need multiple athlete, quality athletes to at least three per event just to score those quality points to overall, you know, win a, win a meet or win a conference championship and things of that nature. So um, I'm very, very much looking to uh, get those athletes to come here that are hungry. And, um, but we need a, the upper twenties to, to like mid thirties just to have quality numbers so we can get, go get those points per event. Sure. Sure. Now everybody's long-term goal is to win a, a championship, whether it's conference or national or right. what do you have short-term goals? Do you have a, a list of things that that you've written down or that you have in your head and you say, OK, I got to do this and I got to do this and this and this and this order? Do you have an idea of, of how you want to attack? Absolutely. Um, now, I haven't um, you know, I have not been to a to a conference championship, but clearly that is the very first goal that is on my list of goals to do. Uh, everybody's in game and end goal is to win a national championship. But that, again, may take a few years to really, really build the program and having kids buy into your system. But I definitely want to win a conference championship in the next three to five years, for sure. I, but I definitely need to see what is the, the DNA and genetic, genetic makeup of, of other people's teams? Because as you know, track and field, um, other people's teams can be built differently. Some, some teams may be super, um, super distance heavy, right? And to where like, they don't have a lot of sprints. They have a lot of, a lot of uh, distant guys. And some other people's teams may be really heavy in the field events, like a lot of jumps, um, the vertical, the high jumps, and uh, like the field events, shot put, discus, and they don't have a lot of sprints or vice versa. Some people may be really, really sprint heavy and not very versatile in the long distance or the jumps so i need to see what other teams um, are set up and then that lets me know how i need to recruit and make us stronger in those events to really i go out there and get those those quality points to help us overall win a championship so um i definitely want to see us and actually i do see us winning a championship within the next three to five years that is my ultimate goal nice that's ambitious yes very cool okay so now i want to know what kind of coach you are um, and, and when I ask that, I mean, uh, are you hard? Uh, I know you're demanding and you're going to expect a lot. And as a coach, you absolutely should. But what kind of coaching style do you 
take to the track with you? I am a player's coach. Uh, my old ADs always told me that um, other people have. I like I'm a people's person. Um, I'm a people's person. Um, and I, I, I love to be out there in the sun, in the field, in the trenches. Sometimes I get out there and work out with the athletes. I'm not a type of coach to where, oh, you need to get out there and run, you know, three miles and I can't do it myself. I'm a type of guy that, you know, sometimes I might get out there and work out with you. I'll actually be the guy in the gym with you. Um, I am a player's coach. I, I hear you out. Um, athletes feel like they can meet, they can be heard. So at the end of the day, like, I don't want to throw them in an event that they just, you know, just cannot ultimately can't stand and they don't want to do. I think we need to come to a happy, like happy medium to where like, okay, this is the event I want you to do. Here goes the event that you want to do. Let's find a, a, a you know, a happy medium uh, in between. But right. Um, yeah, I'm just a player's coach. Can I be hard? Absolutely. Um, is it necessary? Absolutely. But not all the time. You know, sometimes you have to learn to, to be that uh, loving or softer coach for some different athletes. Some athletes need to be motivated by that, that, you know, hardcore drill sergeant type of coach. And I can be either or depending on what you need. But at the end of the day, I'm building a program and I want students to, to student athletes to, uh, to, be within that mode and, and fit that mold. Um, and so I just want this to be a good, a good opportunity for you, but again, you have to be willing to work hard and learn. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Um, let me ask you something because I still struggle with this and I think it makes me laugh. Do you feel as though as an athlete, you either want to, or you can still compete? Do you think that you can get on the track with the players that you're the athletes that you're going to recruit and you can keep up with them. <laughs> I could definitely, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I could definitely keep up with them. Um, but not for long. I will say, uh, my knees have taken a toll. <laughs> okay. I somewhat have okay. jumpers knees, man. And, um, I was also in the military for eight years, you know, and I, I was also airborne jumping out of airplanes. I was a hurdler, um, you know, all the sports, I still weight lifts, uh, sometimes. So my knees definitely, uh, will hurt afterwards, but for that one day, I definitely can get out there and run with my boys and my girls to have a good time and compete with them. But, um, day two, whew, I'm, I'm gonna need a, a whirlpool bath for sure. My knees um, will be shot. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy, first of all, but I, I still feel like when I get on the field, I could take some swings. Uh, I could take ground balls, which I did. So at the last practice we had, I took some ground balls and it felt okay, but it made me realize how slow I and uncoordinated I am at this point. And well, I look at these, I look at the athletes that are less than half my age and I'm just, oh my goodness. I can't believe I was ever that age at any one point. Now you just said something that really caught my attention because you didn't mention it earlier. You were in the military. Yes, sir. What branch? Um, I was in the Army National Guard, Texas Army National Guard. Um, in my MOS, it was a 12 Charlie. So I was a combat engineer. Holy yep. cow. Yeah. How does how does that serve you as a coach in the sports world? You know, I've, I've taken what I've learned um, in the military and they call it, you know, um, not representing your Joes, like being there for your Joes and your Joes are like your subordinates underneath you. You want to take care of your soldiers underneath you. And I was a um, I was a sergeant as well by the time I got out and uh, you just want to take care of your people. And so you never want to see your soldiers, someone that you are responsible for um, to be in harm's way, to be hurt to feel like they're not wanted in this program, to feel like that's what I've always taken to being a coach. Even when I was in education as a teacher, you always take care of your subordinates. You always take care of your Joes. And so I do that also with my athletes. And I guess that comes back to also being a player's coach. Um, at the end of the day, I always tell my athletes, I love you. 
And if you need anything, I'm here for you, you know, morning, noon, and night. That's what I'm here for. So um, I've learned a lot of that by my upbringing, my mother, but definitely in the military as well, to where you just take care of your people that that look up to you and that you're responsible for. Hmm, nice. I guess in that way, you know, you were a sergeant, so you had people underneath you. Yeah. Do you, can you equate it to being a coach with having athletes underneath you that you have to lead? Absolutely. Um, it, being in the military, you know, yes, like the, and I guess they are some of the, our young men that actually get into signing up. I mean, I signed up myself at 18. So um, they, you know, they sign up 18, sometimes 17, they, with the parents' consent and they're young and they're wet behind the ear and, you know, they, they're very needy. And so they, you know, will need, uniform extra uniforms and you know don't understand sometimes how to cook or how to do a lot of things and um and as their sergeant they will come to you with a lot of different things um some stuff i can't i can't talk about right but um but you know what i mean you got you got to be there for them because they're young they're impressionable they're young men and of course being in the military you know people people are they're sought after let's just say that and um and as as a sergeant you kind of got to be there like you know their older older cousin older big brother sometimes even a father figure to them and um as a coach, I, I and as an educator, I've, I've had to do that. Being a teacher or being uh, an AP that I am now, you have to be, you know, uh, a counselor. You have to be um, a professor, uh, a coach. You have to be a dad, a mentor, a big brother, a cousin. You have to be so many different things and put on so many different hats. And I've learned that along the way. And I don't. And being a coach, it was no different. Being a sergeant in the military it was no different. All of it is being that adult figure, the older figure, the one with the most wisdom in the room to help and guide the younger, the younger individuals, because you've already experienced that you've already been down that path. And Mm -hmm. that's just what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You know what? I, I can identify with what you're saying. Um, It it doesn't always register, but when you are the leader of, as you say, maybe 25 or 30 people uh, and you do it so often, not that I take it for granted, but you just get into coach mode and you don't necessarily in the moment, realize the effect you're having on people um, that you are your student athletes. You know, they're going to remember you for the rest Absolutely. of their lives. I remember every coach I ever had. Absolutely. Every- the good yeah. and the bad, right? Like exactly. you take it with a grain of salt. And so you definitely want to be on the more positive and good side, but you right. definitely remember regardless if they were good, negative, bad to you. You remember every single coach that's probably crossed your path. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, what was the toughest part about being in the military? I mean, did you have a basic training? Was that tough? And not just physically, but anything yeah. else. And uh, so what, what was the toughest part about the military for you? I honestly will say the toughest part for me would be the basic training and being away from family. Mm-hmm. Um, the basic training wasn't harder for us physical wise, because again, I was an athlete. It probably would have been harder for other people who, you know, never had, they don't have options. They didn't go to college after school. They just went straight from, you know, graduation straight into the military because they needed something to do to make money. Um, And then if they weren't at the, the conditioning and physical aspect probably was hard for them. That to me was fun. Like I love, you know, running those miles and and beating everybody and being leading the front, all the things like that is fun to me. So it wasn't that the physical aspect, what was hard for me is being away from home, not having any communication uh, from uh, to the family, um, only way of communication was a letter that you may got toward the end. And that letter felt like gold because you finally have some some form of communication. But we had no cell phones. Uh, we couldn't use a pay phone. You couldn't do anything. And like they literally told you when you could eat, go to sleep, when you could take a shower, when you could do all the things. So um, that was the hardest for me because I love I'm a free spirit. I love to do the things when I want to do them. Um and it's just hard to be told 
when you have to do something. Um, and that was hard for me. That was definitely okay. hard for me. Okay. So what's the toughest part of coaching for you? The toughest part of coaching is when you see a student athlete that has so much potential, so much. Um, and they're actually they're super gifted athletically, but they don't work hard. So like they're just athletically gifted. So they don't work hard and they just come out and win races and jump far, jump high. Um, but they don't know how good they can be because they never have to work for what they have. And because of that, it, it, it eats me up because they can be so much more, but they're resting on like their God given talent. And, um, and it's, it's just, it just, it just, to me, it's just, I don't want people to waste what, what God has given them. And to me, that is a waste if they're not really going to be the best thing that they can do. Right. So it's like achievement in every field of human endeavor. And if you're in your human endeavor is to be a, an amazing student athlete and an amazing, it could be amazing father, amazing um, student athlete, amazing, you know, teacher, whatever it is. But in this case, if you're a student athlete for a university, you should take every advantage, every advantage that is put placed in front of you and for you to just not work hard for it, it, it hurts. It hurts me to see it. So um, that is probably one of the hardest things about being a coach is to try to motivate these kids to, to do the right thing and to, and to push themselves and to go out there and want more. Right, right. I've heard the expression and it resonates with me. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Absolutely. I was one of those kids. My mom can tell you when I was in high school, um, my junior year, right before I, you know, was getting, getting sought after, um, I, I had two jobs. Like, so, you know, my, my mother was a single mother, love her to death, but, you know, she was raising boys. So, um, you know, she was always at work, working hard to put food on the table for us. And, um, you know, I was trying to save up to get a car my junior year, going into my senior year, but I had two jobs. And so um, I was straight, straight A student. I was in school. Um, I would catch two buses to get to school in the morning, have morning practices, go to school during the day. And then I would leave for co-op and then I would go to work um, after school. And then I would catch a two buses home. And then when I get home at like 10 at night, working at the mall, I would then go outside and run, uh, some sprints and all of that. And some hurdle, hurdle drills outside on the street at like 10 to 11 o'clock at night. Cause I had to do the extra work that other kids were gifted with. Like, am I a good athlete? Absolutely. Um, but was I the complete best thing smoking in Texas? No. Was I the best thing smoking in uh, the area region? No, but I definitely made finals. I definitely went to state and all those things, but it, I wasn't the best of the best. So I had to work twice as hard to compete with those guys who barely worked hard at all. And I was okay with that. But my thing is, you're not, I, if I'm a lose, is I'm a lose going down swing and I'm a lose by putting my, every single ounce of energy I had into being the best athlete I could be. Um, and so if I lost, great. I'm gonna shake your hand because I gave it my all, but, um, I wasn't the best gifted athlete. So I worked my butt off to get there. So, yeah. And so that's what I'd say. And you, you said it perfect. Uh, you said it perfectly, you know, sometimes you got to work twice as hard just to get half of what they got. So, you know, it sounds as though your life is, is comes out of a movie. They make movies about stuff like that. After you have a full day classes and what have you, and you don't get home until late in the evening, and then you start to train. Yeah. That, you know, you don't run across that very often. And that's, you know, you see Nike commercials and Under Armour commercials about that and movies are made about stuff like that. Um, and that that's just that's the dedication that you really need. How many siblings do you have? It's it's a total of six of us. And I'm actually the baby. So uh, that was my oh, my goodness. <laughs> so so yeah. what's the I, I'm kind of curious, a, a couple of personal questions. What's yeah. the spread in ages between your oldest sibling and yourself? Yes. So my oldest, my oldest is a, we're eight years, we're eight years apart. 
Okay. And you're, and I'm sorry. Okay. No, you said your mom is a single mom. She raised six kids. No. Okay. <laughs> my, okay. It's six of us total. My father has six total kids from my mom. She had two of us for sure. My last that my dad okay. is I me see. and my brother. Um, Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. My goodness. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's uh, you had two. what sounds like you had a great role model in your mom. Absolutely. Love her yeah. to death. Love well, her to death. She pro- did she instill that hard work ethic that you have? Are you are you kidding me? She is the epitome. Um, like I've and and I'm and I told this somebody it's crazy maybe a month ago I just remember having a conversation with someone but I may be a little biased because that is my mother and, <laughs> and everyone's going to say like you know oh I got the best mom and you should that is your mother right she, without her you would not be here she gave you life but when I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt I literally have the best mother in the world mm. like yes we didn't have everything that we like you know wanted of course we growing up like i wanted the newest nikes and newest jays i but i've never i never went to school with holy shoes i never went to school without you know uh clean clothes with what i needed socks and drawers and like we ate every day like my mom made sure we were we went to school nice and when i she worked her butt off my mom had two to three jobs always never complained, got up, went to work and then came home for a light snack or whatever for lunch break, went to the next job. Like my mom was a go-getter. She bust her butt and she still works today. Very hard. Love her to death. So um, if it's anything my mom ever needs, she already know, like I, her baby boy got her. I love my mom. I'm That's my best friend. Like mm. we're super close, super, super close. Are you, um, I am a mama's boy for sure. <laughs> for are, sure. You, are you close with your, with your siblings? Yes, not as close as I probably would like. Um, um, my I when I graduated with my master's, um, I had like a graduation party and all my siblings came down. And um, you know, and so when people get up and give speeches and all that, um, my siblings got up there together and they all was talking about me. But they've even since I was younger, they always called me the golden child or the golden boy. Um, and I always hate it. I tell them don't do that because like I don't want y'all to feel any kind of any type of way, um, because we're all siblings and if I have it, you have it. But um, they say that because, you know, I was first of all, I'm the I'm the first generation, um, your first gen to, to graduate and go to school. So I got two degrees. Some like none of my siblings have one degree from college. I got two now. Um, and so, of course, you know, 18 went to the military, had a track scholarship, um, graduated with my accounting degree, been teaching. I was an assistant principal. Now I'm moving into the collegiate realm, got my master's. So it's like they've they have always seen me be successful and, and grow and shine. And um and I'm close with my siblings, but I wish we can always be closer. But at the end of the day, I love them to death as well. And um, they would probably tell you if they got on the mic, they would probably tell you, yeah, Justin, he's he's the golden child. He's the golden boy. Like he can do no wrong. And he's always going to look out for the family. Always. Hmm. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> we are certainly looking forward to having you part of the Westcliff family. And, you know, you're you're so enthusiastic. You got such a great background. And I can't wait for you to get out here and get going. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah, and and I know you're you're looking forward to it. Uh, are you impatient? I am. I'm anxious. I know the Bible says, you know, <laughs> be anxious for nothing. But man, when I tell you, like, this is a passion of mine. Like, I I, I love to talk to people. I, I can't wait to talk to the families, talk to recruits, build this team. I, I'm so ready to just. Like, you know, learn from the leadership here at Westcliff University, learn from the people that was before me. Like, I'm just ready. You know, I just really want to like just dive in and learn as much as I can. And um, this is what I've been wanting to do. This is I've been wanting to jump into the, the collegiate realm and and really learn. Um, I'm excited. I'm super okay. excited. Well, as I say, we're excited to have you part of our family. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do. 
with the track and field and cross country program. Justin, thanks so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on. No, thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself and uh, I would definitely be down there soon. I can't wait to see you guys. Yeah, well, best of luck to you. If you need anything, we're here for you. Just ask. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Justin Johnson, our newest track and field coach. Thank you. Sean, we just had a great guest on, our newest track and field coach, Justin Johnson. It's a hard act to follow because he is a very well-established guy. I'm excited to have him here. Looking forward to having him uh, join us uh, in the Westcliff family. How did you find him, by the way? You know what, sure. First round draft picks, right? That's what we talk about. Yeah. Of All right. Course. We have a great team of uh, Katie, Michael, our AD team. You know, they keep finding talent. And this talent just happened to be a diamond. My brother, fellow Nuke, you know, he's, he's going to bring the heat. I can't wait to see him transform into everything that we believe he can be and see him lead his team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is his enthusiasm is infectious. His history is great one. He spent eight years in the military. He's done nothing but run track and field his whole life. I don't know that we could have found a better person for that spot. That's unbelievable. Hey, you know what? I'm looking for us to do big things this year in cross country track and field. Uh, So I I can't wait. So everybody better bring their popcorn. It's about to be a show. (laughs) Well, track and field comes up first. It comes up early in the new semester. Uh, Actually, it's cross country that comes up and track and field shortly thereafter. So we have a lot to look forward to because soccer is getting underway shortly. Volleyball, it's all starting to happen again. Uh, The numbers with the pandemic are getting better in California. So we've got a lot to look forward to. You know what I say when when you tell me that? You know what I'm going to say, right? I do, but tell everybody else, please. How about I just say this? Yay, yay. Yay, yay, okay. Well, it it makes for an exciting summer because we have so much to look forward to. So, you know, it, it's uh, we're doing really well as an athletic department. We've gotten bigger as an athletic department. We've added first-round draft picks as coaches. We've expanded. Uh, in the face of all of this, and now that things are getting better, we're already ahead of the game because, as you like to say, we stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is, man. We we always double is. down, ten toes down. Yep, absolutely. And you know, uh we were we always discuss what our topics are going to be for our podcasts. And uh we've certainly been doing this quite a long time now. And uh to this week, this past week in particular, is the nineteen year anniversary of one of the iconic Iconic. I don't want to say rants because that word uh, might be overused. It may be used incorrectly. But one of the greatest sound bites in history, iconic sound bites, is the Allen Iverson practice sound. Sure, we, I don't know. Sure, you, sure. We talking about practice? <laughs> yes. Not, not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Not, but practice? What are we talking about, man? Not not this game <laughs> yeah. that I give my heart and soul to. Sure. Right. But we're talking about practice here. <laughs> right. We talk about practice. Come on, man. And I thought, yeah, I thought it would be great if we talk a little bit about Allen Iverson. Hey, one of the and, greatest, you know, man. One of the greatest Hall of Famer. Let's put some respect on his name. And that's the thing. Um, unfortunately, on occasion, when you have a great player who gets as much attention off the court, it overshadows what he or she has done on the court. And on the court... He was one of the best of all time. We've got some, there's, there's so much to know about players like 
Iverson and how great he was. And it just, it just, I, I chuckle a little bit because I, I'm looking at some of the numbers that he put up and some of the things he did and some of the, the effect that he had on the game that people don't realize. Hey, during the age, uh, hey, hey, Sherm, let's, let's make sure we put an asterisk by this. During the age and time where you could bang up dudes, you know, this wasn't a time where, you know, you breathe on somebody and it's a foul. I mean, they were laying wood when you go to the paint. I mean, for yeah. his size and stature, I, I don't think – I mean, it's really remarkable that his body mm-hmm. held up as long as it did. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. put and, up the numbers. And especially – yeah, well, when he was in the NBA, we're going to talk about his time at Georgetown, but when he was in the NBA, he was the star of the team. He was the scoring star of the team. He didn't necessarily have the players around him. So every night, he had to go up against the Detroit Pistons and guys like Bill Lambeer. He had to go up against Charles Oakley and the Knicks and, and guys that were, you know, the enforcers. And he was six feet tall, still is. And and that's all he had to work with. It was his quickness that got him through. But things, this one is interesting. He popularized the shooter's sleeve. People don't realize that. You know, that one sleeve on maybe the left arm or the right arm that shooters right. like to He use? was the culture, sure. I mean, he listen, was I mean, the guy. you mean, you figure the swag. The shooting, uh, you know, the shooting sleeve, like you said, the cornrows right. in the hair, you know what I'm exactly. saying? I mean, I think the NBA even changed the dress code because he was coming with it, right? He he yeah. really yep. influenced yep. the culture. And, and, you know, if you're from that 757 uh, area code, you don't call him AI. You call him Bubble Chuck, you know? You know, he goes by <laughs> yeah. a whole different name. And, and that's just yep. the presence that he brought to the game. And um, the game was forever mm-hmm. changed, you know, by him being a part of it. Yeah. And that shooter sleeve came about because he had bursitis. And so he slipped it on to stabilize his elbow. And in that game, he dropped 51 points. And so there's no way the shooter sleeve was going to go away. Yeah. You know, he was a slightly, so, bad, so, I, so, I don't want to say super. So you say he like he you, some... he's like you once, once you got a good thing in the season, you ain't changing it. Why would you? You know, you drop 51 points, you do everything the same. Hey, now, you I think know I'm going to put else. on the shooter sleeve when we play, sure. Because I'm yeah, going to drop about 53. Like, if I can get 53 out of my body, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm going to need I'm gonna need him around my knees and around my elbows. And, you know, he also is the person that brought the hip-hop style to the NBA throughout the 2000s. He wore the baggy shorts, right. the headband, the sleeves, Swiss band, uh, sweatband. And uh, his, as you said, his cornrows and his tattoos. Hey, they and call him the answer. Suit after they that. call him the answer. Yeah, the answer. Come on now. Exactly. Well, you know, he's, uh, when they didn't have it going on and they needed a bucket, he, he had the answer. He was always that guy. And so more players started wearing the sleeve despite having no problems with their arms or elbows, including Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James. They all wear the sleeve. And it was, it was uh, Iverson who started Yeah, that. you know so, what? And, you know, just a little... Uh, tie it all together for me personally. Um, sure. Uh, he got a, ch- he selected my son, uh, Dominic Harris to play in the Allen Iverson classic, which was huge. And unfortunately, uh, my son didn't get a chance to participate in that because of, uh, COVID, but that was a huge mm-hmm. honor for him to cap off his high school, um, you know, career in basketball. I mean, Anytime you get to go to the AI, you know, Allen Iverson Classic, that's big time. And, and then oh this gosh. year, um, the uh, Allen Iverson Classic actually uh, got approved uh, to be certified for NBA agents and GMs to attend um, his, 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 you know, his camp. 
And um, so, man, I, I, I wish, man, because I, I, he had backseat. You know, of course he was going to meet Allen Iverson, and um, it was VIP tickets, and the family was going to be able to meet uh, the answer. So I, 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 I wish we can get that back, to be honest with you, man. I, I wanted to meet Allen Iverson in person, um, you know, behind the scenes. So uh, AI, if you're listening, man, if we can do a redo. Let's 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 do it. Yeah, that's the one thing about COVID. I, I understand that it affected a lot of people's health. It affected the world entirely. But there are plenty of things that we won't be able to get back. There may have been those one-time opportunities that just didn't That was happen. one of them, man. It, that was one of yeah, them. That was a highlight right there. It still might happen. You might still have the chance to meet him. Yeah. You know, it's still early. You never know. Yeah, but A um, c- couple of other interesting things. He attempted a rap career while he was in the NBA, recorded a song. Um, the lyrics were pretty hard. You know, hey, everything uh, and, uh, he did was hard, sure. That's true. You know? Yeah, it was very intense. And unfortunately, at the time, the commissioner, who was David Stern, condemned the song. And of course, uh, he did. They, uh, yeah, his debut album, which was called "Misunderstood," was never released. You know what? And and how fitting of a title, right? Because yeah. I really believe, you know, we, um, like you said, on the court, um, who can deny his talent, effort, and, and commitment to the game? And then, you know, some of the things that he got involved in off the court kind of uh, over overpowered that. And we, we never talk about how, I mean, he almost didn't make it to the league, you know, being the fact that he had got locked up and, and all of those kind of things. So he had humble beginnings out in that Hampton Rose area, that Norfolk Rose area. Uh, exactly, you know, yep. that's, Virginia. Yeah, that Norfolk, Virginia area. So, um, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see – you know, where he came from and, and how he progressed. I mean, I, I don't believe that Reeboks would have been popular without him. You know what I mean? His shoe was really a signature shoe for Reebok. You know, besides, you know, the pump. I mean, AI's probably was the best shoe Reebok ever had. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that they're still in business to this day. And uh, his Iverson Classic is powered by Reebok. So, he still has that relationship. I mean, they're not silly. They know. No, they, they know. They yeah, know who they, butter in their bread. Exactly, and he was not just a great basketball player, but equally as good in football. He went to Bethel High School in Virginia, and while he was the point guard, of course, for the basketball team, he was also the starting quarterback. But he played running back, kick returner, wow. and defensive back. Yeah, and here's the thing. He brought state championships in both sports, and that saw him earn the AP. High school player of the year in both sports. What people didn't know at, that at six he foot, was the player of the year. At six yes. foot, probably a buck one seventy five, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Soaking wet. I mean, that's just yeah. show you how tremendous athlete he was. I mean, I remember seeing clips of him, you know, in Georgetown, just coming down, you know, getting a foot in the paint and just posterizing dudes. Man, I mean, he was catching mm-hmm. bodies all over the place. I mean, if you you yep. didn't like AI, you didn't like basketball, especially as a guard. I mean, you know, the stepping yeah. over Ty Lue. Come on, man. That classic step, <laughs> over, step over of Ty Lue. It don't get they no better than that. that. I see I see that on TV all the I time. I feel bad for Ty every time I see that, man. You know, grown yeah, man know, stepping over too. top of you. You know what I'm saying? But what can you do? Because he freaked you on the baseline. You fell down. He stepped over top of you. It was It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting? He only spent two years at Georgetown. Um, That's all he needed. That's all he needed. Yeah, before declaring for the draft. Yeah, which is interesting because it made him the first player 
to leave Georgetown under John Thompson early for the NBA. Of all the great players that went through there, in his first year, and the other thing is his first year was 94-95, he helped Georgetown to get to the Sweet 16. They lost to North Carolina. The ne- and he won uh, Rookie of the Year or Freshman of the Year. The next year, he got the team to the Elite Eight. And what is interesting, he ended his college career as the Hoyas all-time leader in scoring average with a whopping 23 per game. Impressive when you consider like Patrick Ewing went through there, Alonzo Mourning, Roy Hibbert, Jeff Green, and plenty of other alumni. Man, and he was, of course, first-team All-American. Crazy alumni come out of Georgetown. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that was really, you know, I'm from Maryland. So yeah. that, that oh, was yeah. a team fo- that we followed big time. And, and I can remember uh, when my son got an offer from Georgetown and they went on a visit. I, I wasn't even present. And um, I could just remember all the memories, you know, of, uh, you know, the late, great John, you know, Thompson. John Thompson. And, yeah. and all the things. His son now. Yeah. Is, you know, yeah. All the things that, you know, John Thompson did for the program. You know, now Patrick Ewan um, has the program and has changed some of the culture. And uh, they got back into uh, the tournament this year. So I think George. They won the conference championship. Yeah. Yeah. I think Georgetown's on the rise, man. So, so yeah, big absolutely. ups. How do you, how do you turn down that offer? How did I mean Dominic had a ton of offers. I know he committed early, yeah. and I know there were other schools that came in after the fact. Yeah. That always happens. Well, but how? I mean, well, you go. Wow, you, you find the Zags, and and your freshman yeah. year you go thirty-one and one. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know that's true. And your foot, he made the right you choice. Know, obviously, your foot hit the championship game. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean. I just talked to him the other day, and he's getting a ring, you know, for the WCC championship. I mean, right? But ring you know, me here, as a freshman. Here, I mean, how can you how can you put that down? Okay, here here's why. Let me ask you this: because um, you know you can you can look at a program uh, such as Georgetown, and you might look at the personnel on there, and you might talk with the coach, and the coach say, "Hey, you come in now. You're our starting point guard," as opposed to going to Gonzaga and say, "Hey, you're going to be on the bench for the first year." You have to weigh, I guess, the overall four years uh, and and down the road against the playing time and the exposure you're going to get earlier in your college career. If you know you're going to a school and, hey, I'm the starting point guard. We, we, we could have we went to any school. of those schools. Even, yeah. even and, schools and, with a tougher roster, right, just depend on what their needs were, right? So I yeah, always say that Inland Northwest, you know, which is Gonzaga is a little bit different. I don't even – put them on the same plight as college basketball, right? It's more of an old school feel, you know, back in the day, you kind of write a passage. But, I mean, if we was just looking to not be developed and just jump on the floor and just throw us some shots, I mean, we could have did that in our own backyard. <laughs> you know, we have tons, tons of offers to do that. But we're talking about developing, um, buying into a system, winning culture, and, and uh, longevity and looking at playing at the next level. I, I don't think it's any comparison. But, you know, as a as the player himself, looking at it specifically. Well, it, was, it was his choice. Yeah, exactly. But how, you know, if you go and you're, you look at a program, maybe it's even a blue blood. Or, well, you know what, let's start with Georgetown. We had the blue blood, too. We had AC, yeah. ACC, yeah. SEC, Pac-12, you name but it. But knowing that, knowing that when you get there and if you're on the – if you're starting and you're on the floor, you can rise that team. You can make that team better. You can. How do you how do you look at that and say, you know what? I'm going to stay the course. Obviously, you committed early to to um, 
Gonzaga. Right. 2017, uh, knowing, 2018 season. So we're going right. on five knowing years. That you're, knowing that you're not going to be the starting point guard. Right. But you, you got to – so we always talk about this as coaches, right? And we're talking about, you know, trust the system, right? And what the yeah. system produces. So you got to fall in love with the process of getting better. So I think if you, you already bought into that, I mean, if you're asking me, you know, about, you know, Dominic's personal situation, then you already know. I mean, um, you know, I'm the leader of Westcliff University. I mean, we pulled it out the mud. You know, it, it didn't come easy. So you, you understand that when you know where you're going and what you have into you, you know, it, it makes it easier, right? But it doesn't make any rep that you put in, uh, you got to value every rep, right? Every minute and, and understanding that, you know, once the door open for you, it's no coming back, you know, from that situation, you know. So, you know, that as soon as your number's called, you know, it's time to boogie, you know, it'd be dom time at that point. But um, I think, you know, really when you just know what your what your why is, you know, like, um, you know, um, my guy, you know, Rico Hines said best, you know, he, he has stapled uh, a phrase called know your big picture. Right. So when you know your big picture, like Rico Hines talk about, then it, it makes it easier for you to to be level headed, have humility and, and, and be a sponge and learn, understanding that, you know, what race you run it, you know, in this microwave culture that we have of society, you know, you know, you understand what sustainability is and you, you can't um, jump the process. We know great things take time. And, you know, development. So we're, you know, his aspirations for him to, to go to the league is not short term. It's a lot of short term dudes out there who may get one contract and leave. But if you're talking about, you know, trying to be legendary, you know, you're talking about having some longevity. So, you know, you got to continue to polish your craft um, every year. You got to say last year wasn't good enough. And I think, you know, in order for you to do that, it's, it's just great communication. So I think, number one, the Zags culture is set up for that. Number two, when parents buy into a culture before their parents, it makes that transition easy. You know, so I always talk about that. And I, I think I need to write a book about that, you know, what that looks like, you know, especially being an AD and, and being having kids through athletics and being successful on the court and as administrators, uh, I think. You know, the buy into the culture and understanding who you are makes it easier for you to make your transition. And then you're not caught up in what you're hearing. You know, you know your path, you know your trajectory, you know the things you need to work on. And once you get that opportunity, like like Eminem said, you only get one time to blow. So you got to lose yourself in the process. Hmm. That is a great quote. Uh, and uh, I'm 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 floored by it that you went there. You went to Eminem. You went to Marshall Mathers. That's very cool. Very Slim cool. Shady. Did you? Slim Shady. Hey, did you? Yeah, I know you spent a lot of time with the Gonzaga team, obviously throughout the playoffs. Did you get to know and and COVID? I'm sure got in the way. Did you get to know the players and their families a little bit? You know as much as you can in that environment. Yeah. You know, for me though, it's like um, we've been connected. Like I said, man. You know, that summer before the 2017-2018 season, we kind of already knew what we were doing, you know. So we've been connected directly or indirectly for the last five years. So, you know, 
that that you know we're we're a little different. So we're not on the traditional track. Oh, you know, this is year two for them. No, man, this this buy in happened a long time, and and with the Zags culture and with my family dynamics, you know, it's been ongoing dialogue and you know in a relationship since then. You know, I think B Mike played a tremendous part in, in this whole thing. Donnie Daniels, you know, unfortunately he's not with the Zag program, but he is because, you know, he's connected. That's family. You know, so I think, you know, and, and I feel like I have a great relationship with um, you know, Mark Few, but you know, I'm I'm a little different from a regular parent, man. I'm I'm so objective because I'm in this business. You know, I, I know, you know, my son's you know, poo poo stink. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I get that. You know, so I'm not uh, a delusional um, presence in his life. You know, I am an anchor. I am the real talk. I am the up and you know, probably the most honest person. You know, in this process, besides my family, my wife, and everybody else. You know, we're really honest about it, and we understand that this game is about snapshots, bro. Right. You can look very good one night and look trashy the next. And you got to own both of them. You know, you got to own your performances. So I, I think, um, you know, so I don't put myself in the category of parent. I've never really uh, enjoyed the game because I'm helping him get to a destination. So it's very much, you know, um, you know, it's a process for us a little bit differently. So I'm never delusional, even when I see opportunities for him, and I know his skill set probably could help out the team. Um, I'm in this business, so I understand that's the coach's call. All we can do is stay ready. You know what I'm saying? So I don't get caught up emotional or personalize it. You know, I'm very, very objective to the situation. But, you know, I do call it like I see it when I'm asked. But I don't mind I mind my business. When it's the season, I don't make calls. It's the season. People at work. Right. I don't want nobody calling me as the AD 24 seven. So I don't I don't call, you know, what I mean, like but but I really consider them as family, you know, and then in the off season, that's where I'm involved, you know, and, and that's where we are now. So we're trying to get his body ready and get his mind sharp and and get him ready to to bring a, a trophy back to Spokane, push that baby up. And hopefully uh, when we look up from this process, you know, he a lottery pick and we roll it. You know, that's that's mm. kind of how we feel about it. Why can't we sure. be, you know, round one, pick one? Why, why can't that be us? You know, so that's what we're working towards. Absolutely. Well, hey, let me ask you a question because I'm not as I'm not as knowledgeable in the off season. I know in baseball, as an example, there's summer leagues going on. Um, what does Dom do in the off season? Is there a summer basketball league that he plays? <clears throat> no, is you he, can't. You know, well, is there... you, you know uh, uh, you got number one, you got to stay within compliance. <laughs> Right. Yeah, of course. So you got to stay course. within compliance. But we're, what I'm talking about from an individual standpoint has nothing to do with group activities. It's all individual work. Um, sure. You know, being in the gym um, like we just started up this past week. So we already been um, in Manhattan Beach running the sand dunes. Uh, you may have saw that, you know, Russell Westbrook does that a lot. A lot of other great yeah. offerings yeah. do that. So. We try to run that twice a week. You know, we do the sports science. Uh, we take care of the body. We do yoga. We get up shots. Uh, this year is probably a little more specialized because we understand the role and expectation that the coaching staff uh, has for him. You know, so 
I mean, we can make it a little more specialized, you know, versus, you know, last year was probably every aspect of the game. You know, now it can be more to whatever his defined role is going to be, but you still want to make sure that uh, you're paying attention to all 94 feet of the court and doing what you need to do. Um, you know, so I, I'm, you know, this is where I get to coach again, you know, because I've been okay, a coach, so, you know, so it's, it's so, good stuff. So everything is is more or less just on his own, personal. Mm, for the most part, I mean, you bring guys in that's on the team, and you know, but I mean, stuff there's like no, that, but, there's there's no organized league in no, the offseason where he's going to play. You can't even do that compliance wise, you know. What I'm okay, saying? that that was my question. <clears throat> you know, but you can't do any of those kind of things from that aspect. Of okay, it, but you know, you, you can you know do the things that that normal guys do to make sure All that right. you you're making it happen. Okay, so here here's another question. When you are talking about this, and I've just been listening to you saying we're running the the sand dunes, you know, like some of the NBA players, and we're lifting weights. Now, when you say we, I've always been a part of the process, Sherm. I've been on the, I've been out there too. If you're asking me, have I ran the sand dunes this week? I have. Yeah, that's I it. Have. Okay. Yes, I have. All right, so so you're in training for our one on one. I have a game, and I'm sore right now, man. I'm sore right <laughs> now. Presently sore right now. Um, okay. My biggest thing is um, has not been the work. Is this be me having more discipline to control the things that I'm putting into my body? You know, so um, <laughs> I, I'm going to invest into that. I'm a little large and in charge right now. Um, I need to go ahead and change uh, this figure up. I need to get back to me. I don't even recognize who I am right now. Sure. Mm. Okay. But I am telling you, man, I'm still throwing up, you know, uh, three plates, you know what I'm saying? So I'm strong as all outdoors, but it's time for me to get some more invest into some of this lean muscle mass, man. Huh. And, and I, okay. need, I need to, I need to find my, uh, I need to find my waistline again. So. Okay. Well, let, let me define, let me ask a, a definition question. When you say three plates, can you tell yeah, me? Yeah. So Sherm, I mean, I can pretty much warm up with 315. Oh, oh, you're talking about yeah, okay. Yeah. You're talking about in, yeah. plates that go on yeah. like uh, yeah. weightlifting. Weight yeah. Okay. Now, now those other plates, right? <laughs> okay. I, I could put them down too, and that seems All to right. be the problem. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I made sure that I'm looking at this portion size right now, sure. And and okay. you're in trouble, baby, because <laughs> even at my present weight, I'm not doing too bad at the sand dunes right now. Little sore, little okay. sore. But hey, are we talking about practice? Practice, <laughs> because in a game we're gonna bring it back. In to a that. game, in a game, that's when I come up. That's when I show up, baby. Okay, I know. I know you're gonna probably have a. You know, you're gonna be able to body me up down low. Oh, you. I'm hey, sure listen, listen. Happen. Hey, it's not even pretty sure. That's a definite. You understand that I'm gonna smother you down low. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna smother you down low. N- number one, because gonna, I have skills. Number two, I think I shoot me, better than gonna, you. Gonna, but you're going to give me the outside shot because you know I'm going to I'm going to blow right by. Here's you. the deal, Sherm. Number yeah. one, I don't think you got a quick first step. Really? I don't think oh, so. My goodness. And then even okay. if you did, I don't believe you got any handles, Sherm. Oh, so I don't think I you can't. got no skills in the bag, bro. Your bag not deep. Really? But but okay. but I did get a chance to get a sneak preview. Right when I met up with you and I saw that weak jump shot you got, so I, yeah, it's, so you, it's weak right now, so but I'm working on it. Here's the deal: I think I will sag in the lane, sure. Okay, okay, you're gonna give me the and and, shot. and I play the percentages. Okay, okay, 
I get it. Oh my um, goodness. You, I mean, you don't you don't even hold your follow through, sure. Yeah, I know. I got some work to do. You, I got some work to sure. do. But the the hoops are now back up because you know we were, was we're that moving the excuse? The yellow phase. Was that the excuse? No, hey, Sherm, I, no, no, no. I put I'm this out. I put this out the other day. To get out there. Listen, listen. I put this out the other day. I say, look, hey, we all got skeletons in our closet, right? And 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 somebody said, what are they? I said, excuses. Everybody has them. You know, the problem is, can we be stronger than our excuses? And in mm-hmm. some areas of my life, right? You know, I've noticed that I, I make rationales, right? And then other parts of my life is pass or fail. But all of it should be pass or fail. So I know because you're a first-round draft pick that if you have enough time and preparation and now that you know I'm working, you're going to level up. I know that already. I'm just telling you that it doesn't matter because you so atrocious. Your jump shot is so broke. Right? I don't care how many reps you put behind that, bro. And then let me tell you the added factor. You want to tell you what my X factor is, sir? Bring it. My X factor is if I know you really, really in the gym, then I just make sure I assign you more assignments to keep you out the gym, sir. It's not fair, sir. <laughs> Things are not fair. But all of a sudden, the baseball obligations get a little heavy, sir. Okay. And knowing okay. who you are, you're going to have to make a decision, man. Do mm-hmm. I go to the I diamond it. or do I keep putting up mm-hmm. these reps? And I'm paying. Nah, the diamond, the, the diamond comes I, I already know, sure. So wait till you wait first. until we get about six weeks out and watch your workload start to explode. Okay. I, I, I'm well, not, does that mean- I'm not saying that this is fair. I'm just telling you how it is. <laughs> uh, you, we know, we know your, your viewpoint on fair. Only place they judge. Pigs is, is yeah, fair. Right. Fair don't exist. Don't yep, exist unless you're judging pigs. Yeah, hey, okay, but you know what? Your, your workload is is always pretty heavy. So when are you finding time to get your workouts done? I'm not giving you my secret sauce. Does oh, KFC right, exactly. give you the recipe to that chicken? I was I was gonna send my scouts. Okay, out. listen. All you gotta know, sir, is when it's game time, I'm activated. Don't be a hater, sure. Oh, so you, so are you, so are you one of the athletes that could just flip on the switch? Hey, let me tell you. When it's game, you just said when it's game time, you're activated. So, you know, I just hey, had this. Does the hand of a Rolex ever stop? Does the hand yeah, of a you know, Rolex just, ever stop? Of course, I can. Justin Johnson, come on, I can. Our, our new track coach said his most frustrating thing is when talent doesn't work hard. You know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So, are you one of those who, guys that who said up with the God-given talent? Who said I was talented? And then, you, <laughs> and you just flick on the switch. Well, you're implying you're implying that you can just flick on the switch and you're engaged when it's game time. Sherm, I get to another level, okay? When it's on ESPN, yes, I do. Oh, all right. I okay. Get it. But what I'm okay. telling you is, brother, A, I have a switch, but I'm always working hard. I just got a secret button. Okay. I can't give mm. you the secret sauce. Don't be nervous. I know you're shaking in your boots right now. You, I'm a little nervous. You're like, I am. You're like, I got to tell you're you. Like, what did I sign up for? Yeah, I'm, I ask myself that every okay. day, and it has nothing to do with our one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> listen, you, hey, listen, hey, you signed up for greatness, and we know when you sign up for greatness, you, we are on the precipice of hey, it right now. Hey, here's the deal: when you sign up for greatness in your life, 
The only thing you got to know is you do whatever is required. That's it. That's it. You don't do whatever is required. That's what you do. It, it doesn't matter. You, you mean, we talking about all in or whatever. Like, you got to bring that to the table before you even step into the arena. Hmm. Right? So then it's whatever is required. It doesn't matter. So if coach say, hey, sweep the floor, I'm sweeping the floor to the best of my ability. All mm-hmm. out. So it's whatever is required. So it's no expectations other than do what's required to win. That's what making winning plays is. And that's why I'm telling you, like, I'm more um, excited, you know, not about talent, sure. You know, when I look through our programs and all that. I'm more excited about people doing whatever is required because that means you're going to be an impact player. That means at any time you're going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And we got to make plays, man. That's what we in the business of. It's now or next. Nobody care about what you did 20 years ago. Nobody going to care about the game that I'm going to beat you up in August on. Nobody cares about that. They want to know, can I make a winning play when it's time for me to make a winning play? And that's what it's all about here, man. That's why we're building greatness to warrior way. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I make winning plays, sure. Okay. All I care about is wins and losses. That's it. And I make winning plays. Period. No matter what it is. Sean, mm-hmm. grab that door. I'm grabbing the door. Sean, mop that floor. I'm mopping the floor. Hey, climb that mountain. I'm climbing that mountain. You know, because that mountain's for you to climb, not to carry. So we each got a star. It's up to you to find find it and let it shine, baby. We talk about this all the time, man. Hey, does a flower care about the flower next to him? It's no competition. You just got to bloom, baby. Wherever God planted you, you bloom. That's it. Mm. So we don't got to search anywhere. You know why we don't search anywhere else? Because we create our own sunshine, Sherm. That's what we about here at West Cliff. But you got to have some self-fortitude. You got to have some stick to You got to be able to be challenged and poked and prod. You got to be able to look at yourself every day and self-evaluate and say, hey, I got to get better. I have to level up. I have to bring it, baby. I have to bring it every day. I can't let my teammates down. I got to make a play. So when you got an attitude that you're going to make a play daily in every part of your life, then you have nothing to worry about when the clock goes to zero because you know you have exhausted everything in your human body to be in your mind and your spirit to achieve greatness. So you can live with that. And guess what you do, Sherm? Guess what you do, Sherm? Mm-hmm. You, you start all what? over again. Every day you got to mm-hmm. you got to go in and in, in, in realign, reset, readjust. We all get the same 24, right? Same 24 hours. Okay? You put your draws on the same way I do. If you wear draws, sir. If you wear draws. <laughs> you know? Some of us are commando. Okay? All right? Okay. You put on socks, you might not put on socks. But you understand the analogy what I'm saying. Of course. You have to earn it every day and you got to start over every day. But sure, put on some draws, though. Put on All some right. draws. <laughs> That should be the theme of this show. You know what? You, you, something you said that can we be stronger than our excuses? Can I don't we? Think I've ever heard that. Can we be? But it makes a lot of sense. Every day they're in our closet. Every day. Mm. Mm. Every day, right? 
Can we be stronger than them? It's tough to do. I struggle with that daily, Sherm. It's it's easy to make an excuse. That's the thing. Easy. That's the easy. That's the easy way out. We own them. We we listen. They yeah. skeletons. They're in our closet, right? And we, it's easy. And here's the deal: excuses, excuses, and rationale are one and the same. Because you can explain away a whole lot of stuff, but that don't mean it's right. Some of us got the gift of gab like you do, Sherm. But at the end of the day, you know what I'm gonna ask you? Was it 100? Was it 100% complete? And if you say 99, I'm saying fail. That's the difference. That's the difference. Okay? That's why I'm steering down law school, Sherm. I'm mm-hmm. steering down law school. After I get this doctoral degree done, guess what? I think your boy going to take the LSAT, and I'm going to law school. Hmm. So, all right. Now we're, now we're on to a different path. But if that's the case, same path, what do you, same path. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you hope to achieve then? Do you want to be a lawyer? Is that, is that the ultimate for you? Greatness in everything I do. Greatness. Hmm. It comes okay. one in the same, you know, that's not, right. that's not off the, the beaten path of what we do in sports. Okay. I so deal with contracts, torts, all of those things every day, right? We're making deals. We're making play and we're making deals. Uh-huh. I just want to uh-huh. continue. I'm a continual learner. I just, you know, I love to learn. I'm a lifetime learner. I love to learn. I love to challenge myself mentally. I'm trying to learn how to play the piano right now. I want to learn a foreign language. I speak Jai pretty good, <laughs> you know, but I want to learn something else. Okay. Um. Now, are you still teaching your class with Concordia? Yes, I am. I'm a proud alumni. I'm an eagle, and um, yeah, I, I still teach master courses over there for their mm-hmm. coaching program. I love it. I love to teach. I love to learn. Um, you know, and now I'm, I'm I'm starting to make fitness a priority since I'm I done fell off. You know, hmm. man, I you know I let myself go. I don't know what happened. Well, when you have all those endeavors, because you're pursuing a lot of avenues, it's easy to. Let one thing go like that. Yep. I mean, thanks, got, thanks, for, you're go- thanks for giving me an excuse for it, but guess what? Yeah, but I mean, it looked like I got a you, compulsion issue, but I don't. No, nah, you need to make time. But how do you make time when you've got so many other things going on? I'm not going to make an excuse. I have to double it's down. Just that you said you you only get 24. You do, so that means I have to double down. So that you know, I mean, I guess I got to get up more earlier than three o'clock in the morning now. You know, so I got to mm. get up earlier. But at the end of the day, I got to make a play. Sure, I got too many people in this world depending on me yeah. to be effective, oh, yeah. right? In everything that I do. And I take pride in that. So I gotta figure that out. Right? But one one smart person told me in this game was like, hey Sean, you need to just incorporate it into your daily day your day-to-day schedule because actually you do get paid uh to be pretty, to be in shape. That's part of the culture that we have, right? So it's a work assignment, right? I think I'm to a point now where we are, you know, at Westcliff Athletics and what we're doing to be able to uh, scale it back a little bit so I can make sure. I mean, you got to be fit to lead. So I got to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm good. Hmm. Well, we also have the right people in the right places. Michael and Katie also are a great support system. Yeah. I mean, so I double down and say yes. Um, everyone in the organization and especially in athletics, 
are way better than me. You know, I, I am because who they are and who we are are together. So, uh, you know, uh, special high five to the athletics department and the university for having outstanding people who I work alongside of every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We are fortunate. <laughs> Including With yourself, that, sir. Including yourself, well, sir. Well, I'm the fortunate one. But uh, that and letting the five C's be our guide. Sure. Did you say the five C's? Yeah, the, let, let the five C's be our guide. Absolutely. I mean, it's the bedrock of what we do, right? It's the bedrock. Oh, ab, ab, it's our foundation. It is. I mean, I mean, I think we have seen some great things be accomplished, you know, through our five C's and making sure that we empower, inspire, and educate, right, um, the folks that we deal with every day. I'm just truly excited, right? Truly excited to be a part of the program right now. Oh, absolutely. It's a great day to be a warrior. Yay, yay. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast and please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics and we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast. Anybody tell you that I miss practice, if, if, if a coach say I miss practice and y'all hear it, then that's that. I mean, I might have missed one practice this year, but if if somebody say he doesn't come to practice, it can be one practice. Out of all the practices this year, that's enough. If I can't practice, I can't practice, man. I'm hurt, I'm hurt. I mean... Simple as that. It ain't about that. I mean, it's, it's not about that at all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but it's it's it's, it's easy to, to to talk about. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here. I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice not a game not 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 the game that i go out there and and die for and play every game like it's my last not the game we're talking about practice man i mean how silly is that man we're talking about practice i know i'm supposed to be there i know i'm supposed to lead by example i know that and i'm not i'm not shoving it aside you know like it don't mean anything i know it's important i do i honestly do but we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We talking about practice, man. We, talk, we talking about practice. We talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? You see me give everything I got, right? But we talking about practice right now. We talking about practice. Man, I look, I hear you. I, it's funny to me, too. I, I mean, it's strange, it's strange to me, too. But we're talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice.